0: It's time for the Friday News Cap and some voices from the news this week. We, through the states, have empowered the federal government to do certain things. One of those is to protect our borders. And when the federal administration refuses to do that, we as states must step in.
1: We do not have to make assumptions about whether this will lead to widespread racial
2: profiling. We know that it will because that is Arizona's history a very shameful history that we have had to work so hard to come back from.
1: This bill threatens not only to impose crippling fines on businesses, but also sends a chilling message to the immigrant entrepreneurs like myself and immigrant workers that are not welcome, that we're not welcome. It is clear that the incompetence of our current
0: county recorder contributes to the belief among all of our voters that that, that things aren't on the up and up. So if he wants to work on Election Day operations, he should run for the Board of Supervisors.
2: It's the same half-cent sales tax. You won't see an increase. But that half-cent goes a lot less than what it used to. So we're, we're trying to do a lot more with a lot less. It's critical to the state of Arizona. It's critical to, to Maricopa County and our cities.
0: And with me to talk about a new entrant into the GOP primary for a Maricopa County Recorder, more immigration bills moving through the legislature, and more are Doug Cole of High Ground. Good morning, Doug.
2: Good morning, Mark.
0: And Carl Gentles of the Gentles Agency. Good morning, Carl. Good morning. So, Doug, let me start with you with the announcement of uh, State Representative Justin Heap, a member of the Arizona Freedom Caucus. We heard from him uh, just a moment ago, getting into the race to, to primary Maricopa County Recorder Stephen Richard. Not a surprise that there would be a primary challenger and i guess the rumors had kind of been swirling for a few days that that it would be mr heap
2: well this this was no surprise to anybody that's been paying attention here i think the bigger bigger surprise is is we here here we are we're leading a a uh morning show talking about the maricopa county recorder you know for years helen Purcell just quietly did her job and, yeah. and this was a, this is the post that went nowhere but but here it is pushed front and center by all the election controversies and um, I think you heard uh, Recorder Richard make the distinction that, you know, I, I do early voting and, and voter registration, the Board of Supervisors does everything else. Um, but, but because of the election denialism and, and such, um, uh, Stephen Richard has become a national figure and, uh, the, the, you know, the, the supporters of Donald Trump and the election deniers have, have made him a target. Now, uh, Representative Justin Heap is a freshman. Member of the State House, he's from an extremely safe district. That that is, you know, that you win in the primary hands down, and you are elected as long as you want to be running running countywide in in the state in the nation's fourth largest county is going to be a different different animal for him. He has no money in the bank. He uh, in in last according to reporting from from Dennis Welch, who works at Channel Three and Channel mm-hmm. Five, uh, he has raised no money here. And he's going to have to raise a lot of money because there's going to be a lot of noise in this election uh, to 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 get um uh uh you know across the finish line. But he will get the Trump endorsement, so that that's going to be a big challenge for for the incumbent uh, Stephen Richard. How much? How do you handicap this race at the moment? Mm, I would put it as a toss up right now to see to see how you know how things unfold. Um, you know Stephen Richards, well spoken, um, and uh, works really hard. And I, you know, there's he's really good on social media. He had some fun <laughs> last night, if anybody was paying attention. But but you know, it's it's going to be it's going to be a tough race. Um, but you uh, know, handicap you know incumbents are hard to beat. Okay, um, and I can tell you the 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 McCain wing of the party, independents, uh, who can vote in the primary. Um, I think that, they'll, you know, that they're they'll naturally go to Richard. Uh, it's just to see how big the uh, the the coattails of Donald Trump's going to be in a recorder race like yeah. this when you have a very well-spoken recorder.
0: Carl, does this seem like potentially, depending on how the primary goes, could this be a pickup opportunity for Democrats if, for example, Justin Heap is the nominee?
1: Yeah, I, I really I think it is because, um, you know, first of all, the most extreme uh uh, candidates win in the primaries, right? And Justin Heap is to the far right of richer. It's interesting that you, you've you got a seat and you're trying to hold a seat, but then you're you're challenging that seat with somebody, a mega Republican, basically. But when it gets to a primary, uh, I highly doubt a Justin Heap, if he does prevail, uh, will have an, a real shot at winning in general elections. So, I mean, there's going to be craziness. It's going to be fun to watch. Uh, Stephen Richard I think is actually a very good candidate and has done a great job even though he did take the seat from a Democrat. But I do believe that uh, if Justin Heap ends up winning, um, we'll, have, uh, we'll have a, uh, a, a Democratic – we may even have uh, the Democrat take on that seat in um, Tim Stringham.
2: And remember when – if I may, it, when, when uh, Stephen Richard first came, came um, on, uh, on the screen as, a, as a running for office, he was considered a far-right candidate. Uh, and, and had a history of, because of, he's a lawyer, of litigating election cases. He was considered a far-right candidate. That's how far the spectrum has moved. Yeah, yeah. yeah
1: it certainly doesn't appear to be that anymore. In fact, um, you know, by all measures, he's he's certainly not on the MAGA part of the, of the party. So uh, I, I don't think that um, Stephen I, – I do believe that Stephen Richard has a great shot at, uh, at winning the primary, although, like I said – the most extreme, the farthest right, the farthest crazy you can get in the primary is typically what people navigate to, particularly on on the Republican side.
0: If Richard is able to get through the primary, do either of you see him losing the general election? Carl, what do you think?
1: Well, uh, should I answer that as a as an analyst or a <laughs> Democrat? So, um, uh, I would say that – Yes. Say,
2: OK. <laughs> you pick. Uh, I'll okay. let you pick. Look,
1: look, look. Um, I, I, Stephen Richards is going to be tough to beat. Like, like um, Doug said, um, uh, the power of the incumbency is there. He's got some really high name ID. Um, he, he's, he's actually um, – from from all looks, I'm um, doing a reasonably decent job. But look, um, uh, on Democratic side, we have a very strong candidate in Tim Stringer that's going to be coming along um, he will challenge and make a very strong run, and I, I think overall, look, um, uh, uh, Maricopa County is a is a is a blue county now, Mister Cole, and we believe it's going to stay that way and trend uh, even further. So I think it's going to be very very competitive, without question. Um, uh, Richer will be difficult to beat, but look, now you're going to have two, uh, and you, you know you've had attorneys in that position with. Um, uh, our, our former um, uh, county recorder uh, Fontes, and right. now Richard, and then of course um, Tim Stringen, who is uh, a, a JAG um, Navy guy, um, will be uh, will be will be a formidable candidate. And Justin Heap, an attorney, also
2: exactly. Well, I'm not ready to call Pinal County blue by any any stretch of the imagination. Maricopa County. Maricopa well, we can County. We call Pinal County me. blue I too. Mean, I mean, Pinal County is definitely red. That seems like a bigger at, stretch. <laughs> yes. Excuse me. I meant I meant Maricopa <laughs> County. I'm not ready to go there yet. Um, but yes, it is getting more purple, and and you know it also, you know a lot of this depends upon uh, you know a general election voter turnout. Okay, I would say Stephen right. R- Richard, if if he gets past primary, is going to be the, the recorder again by my political estimation. But it's all you know, it's all about how this works uh, in, in the next number of months, getting to November. We have a lot of things that are going to drive out drive out uh, of voters like, mm-hmm. like the the abortion uh, right. uh, referendum and other things that we're, I'm sure we're going to talk about here in the next few minutes. Yeah, if
1: I could, real quick. That yeah. I mean, um, uh, there will be a number of ballot measures coming up. The abortion access is going to be on. That's going to turn out enormous, uh, higher turnouts than usually It's a presidential camp uh, year, um, and then there's a lot of money flowing into, the, into Maricopa County to... Uh, support um, actually both sides, but um, support, of course, um, a a high turnout uh, for uh, Democratic voters and others. Carl, let me stick with you
0: with the news from last night that the chair, now former chair of the Arizona Board, Board of Regents, Fred Duvall, not stepping down from the Board of Regents, stepping down as chair of the Board of Regents. This comes in advance of a meeting between the board and some U of A folks and the governor. Next week, the governor has made her displeasure with the current situation, the financial situation down there, pretty
1: well known. Are you surprised that that Mr. Duvall decided to step down as chair? I, I am not. I think it was probably a smart move, um, a preemptive move on his part. Uh, I think um, it was clear that the governor is not happy. And I think the takeaway that, uh, on this is uh, be straight with the governor and make sure she knows what's going on because if you don't, um, here you go. Um, I, this this whole thing is an absolute fiasco. Number one, um, uh, let me just say a couple things. One is I just don't know how uh, uh, Mr. Robbins um, – he, how he survives the president uh, of the, the u of president a. u of a i don't know how he survives ultimately i mean it's a two hundred what forty uh two hundred fifty million dollar um issue um that uh, u of A is facing a huge shortfall is going to affect many many lives and and it just seems like people were asleep at the wheel and we know um apparently the where it started with the online university and and that just not um uh, panning out the way it was um it was envisioned but I will tell you that um, the Governor, of course, has a strong uh, pulpit here uh, while she it may be questionable whether or not she could or could not re- um, remove somebody from the position. I think uh, Mr. Duvall really uh, read the tea leaves and said, "You know what? let me go ahead and step aside now 'm um, sure i 'm sure the hatchet's coming as it is anyway." So let me do that now for the good of what he said is is the Board of Regents and, and universities. Well,
0: Doug, we know that the governor was at least looking into whether or not she had the authority to fire members of the Board of Regents. Let's assume that she concludes that she does. Does this make Fred Duvall safe, that he's not
2: the chair anymore? Well, he, you know, he's not – He's not the chair now. I mean, he's resigned from from being being the chair of the board of regents. It's whether how long he still has a few years left in his term. Remember, yeah. these are like these are long terms. These aren't four year terms. They're, they're I think six six years. Yeah, I think they're six years. And and these are one of the preeminent uh, appointments that a governor makes. But whoever she appoints has to go through Senate confirmation. right? And we've all seen how that goes. It's in court right now. Pretty Pretty much he, a does, non-starter. he doesn't go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, if, so you know, it, that, that's going to be – and this is not new. Go, governors – in the 90s when I was working on the ninth floor with Governor Symington, we had a, a, a regent named Rudy Campbell, great guy. He was former mayor of Tempe. But, but the, the, the Symington administration didn't like what he was doing on the Board of Regents. So we were calling for his res, resignation, and he said, no, Governor, I'm not going to do that. But laws have changed since that time and, and on the appointment process, and that was all part of, of, of personnel reform in the state. So the governor does have more power. But what we don't know, it hasn't been litigated and challenged in court yet. Right. And I think if, if, if there's a fourth, we, we know that you know Governor Brewer tried to get rid of the independent uh, redistricting uh, uh, chairwoman, remember? Yep. And it went to the Supreme Court. So that was the only litigation, uh, and, and, and Colleen Mathis was reinstated. OK, so that's all we got. And so I'm sure this would be litigated, and I think I think the governor's office just wants a path to move forward. Um, I think I think Dr. Robbins is probably not in a you know uh, uh, is it probably in a pretty precarious situation, um, and you know we'll just see how this plays out. But this had to happen. Something had to there, it, something had to happen.
1: You know, there was a press conference just recently um, that um, about the whole issue, and uh, glaringly. Uh, there was no representation from any um, Tucson representatives mm. at that press conference uh, in support of uh, Dr. Robbins or otherwise. So that tells you quite a bit. Yeah,
0: the current president and former president both in Texas yesterday at the border: uh, policy discussion, photo op, campaign opportunity. What do you think?
1: Well, geez, probably all of the above. I mean, it was just it was just a circus all the way around. Um, um, you know. I, it, what's what's crazy about this issue is that number one, you know, it was a, a day that they had a dueling, you know, dueling press conference and dueling photo ops and all that good stuff. Um, uh, President Trump, former President Trump, went down and and uh, as as the rest of the party is doing, is using the border issue as their number one issue to try and uh, uh, to to leverage on the the election. Because there's really nothing else at this point, um, I think it's clear that um, they're they're searching for uh, an issue that um, will hope that they hope that will carry them, uh, and I think that's basically all it was um, on on the Republican side. On Democratic side, I mean, the message is this: Look, there is a bill on the table in Congress now. Sign it, uh, and it's a pretty good bill from all intents and purposes, especially uh, from the Democratic side, where there are a number of concessions that were made. Uh, and so, um, you know, uh, Biden is there touting, you know, the bill. He's touting the economy and things that are going well um, now. Um, you know, uh, inflation is coming down. Uh, rents are coming down. Um, and so things are looking much better. And so uh, this is a, a, a way that Republican side and uh, the Trump administration, Trump uh, folks can truly, well, can uh, try to at least um, – uh, pull away some support for the general election. Well, Doug, let me ask you about that, because traditionally, the
0: border and border security have been strong issues for Republicans and have been pretty weak issues for Democrats, in at least in elections. I'm wondering, though, do you see that changing at all, given the fact that, as Carl said, there is a bill that Democrats and Republicans worked on together that basically didn't go anywhere because of former President Trump?
2: Look... This this issue has, has turned into a big problem for the, for the incumbent president right now. It is the, the Gallup came out with a poll, uh, and other polling has shown it's it's turned into the number one issue almost across the country in every state. When you have the the mayor of the largest city in the country of New York, a uh, city mayor Adams, arguing with the with the Biden administration, uh, you know mayor of Chicago, mayor of San Francisco, mayor of Denver, all Democrats, all going after the Biden administration because. They can't handle the influx of immigrants. You know, as I looked at yesterday, I said, thank God Texas is such a big state to handle both of these traveling <laughs> circuses. But, but this is a problem for the incumbent president. And, and this is why you see actions in state houses. And I know we're going to talk about that in a second here. Actions in state houses across, across the country. Historically, you're correct. It was a Republican rally the troops Um, Now, it is a Democrat problem. You've got divisions within the Democrat Party, Democratic Party, about how to handle this. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I just mentioned the big city mayors. You got, you know, state legislators, Democratic state legislators uh, are are disagreeing with with the administration. So this is going to be hard for the the president to handle. But what we did see yesterday was a unified messaging, and we saw it from Senator Mark Kelly on the floor of the Senate yesterday saying, saying, pass this bill, as Carl said. Get this bill passed. So the Democrats were very good at their messaging yesterday, and in blaming Donald Trump. You know, we had a bill. Of, uh, inaction helps you, so you can sit sit and, and continue to to pontificate about the, the border problems. We're going to see a lot more of this, folks, between now and November. <laughs> All right.
0: So, Doug, you, you previewed this. So let's talk about uh, a, the legislature passed a bill uh, yesterday that is going to Governor Hobbs, who has said she will veto it. Yes. It is being referred to as SB 1070 version 2.0, essentially making it a state crime to be in in the country illegally <laughs> again. Given that the governor said she's going to veto it, like I I hate to ask a kind of a cynical question, like is this a symbolic vote here?
2: We can't ask cynical questions on a political talk show. (laughs) Oh my goodness, what's (laughs) happening? What are we going to talk about here? Well, I think the interesting thing is, is yeah, it's 14 years later. Very similar bill again for the issues that we just discussed on the national front. State houses are doing this across across the country, but it's not 14 years ago. The uh, the climate has changed changed quite a bit. We're, you know, I don't see forty thousand people marching on the state capitol like we had in twenty ten. But um, every, you know, we're in a political year. The people that you know they they you know their constituents are demanding action. But I think what was interesting, and then and then there is also a referral, which which, which, which requires right. uh, state, cities, and, and counties um, uh, to to uh, e verify people if they apply for a license. And, and if uh, those political subdivisions hire subcontractors, which, which is an expansion, that would, go, that would bypass the governor and go straight, straight to, the, to the 2024 uh, ballot. But my point, what was interesting about all this, where is Governor Hobbs this week? She's down on a trade mission meeting with in, in Mexico City with a bunch of Arizona business people, uh, her, her uh, uh, commerce authority directors and tourism directors all down there touting Arizona and all this is going on back at the state capitol. Well, now let's be fair because apparently there's a
1: whole delegation going off to 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 Israel as well. So I mean, we got competing uh, you know trips in the middle of all this controversy. Now let me just say this: uh, th- there's a package of these bills um, that are at the legislature right now. It, it basically is SB 1070 on steroids uh, when you take the totality of them. There's even a bill. Uh, that would allow ranchers to shoot migrants as they come on their property, which is ridiculous. I don't know anybody except for the people that uh, proposed that um, legislation thought that's a good idea. And clearly, uh, the American people don't believe in shooting people walking onto their property, particularly in this issue. Now, is the border and and, uh, immigration issue, are are those issues a, a big issue? But there's no question. But it's not that it's the Biden administration that caused this. This has been going on for years across across administration. Let's not forget the former President Trump was in office for four years and it was going on them uh, on then. So it's not as if uh, he had some magic solution and and illegal immigration shut down. And then when Joe Biden came into uh, office, all of a sudden it spiked up again. So let's be clear on what's going on. This is purely a political ploy from Republicans to try and find an issue to win the election. And I believe that it's going to fail miserably. Now, we should should absolutely do something to secure the border. The challenge is, is that we have to do it at a federal level because it's a federal issue. And you can't have state law supersede federal law. And so you have to have something that's uniform. Now this goes back to our days um, many, many years ago. Um, Doug was at, um, at at Simonson's office, Governor's office. I was at McCain's office. Immigration, comprehensive immigration reform was a huge subject. Our our former boss McCain was a big proponent of that. It has gone nowhere since then, and that was the early '90s. So it's not as if. Joe Biden woke up and made the border wide open, which is, you know, I can't cuss uh, before 930 in the morning. And so I won't. Uh, But it just doesn't make any sense. So let's get our story straight here. Number one, we all want comprehensive reform. It has to be done. And we've got a bill on the table right now in Congress to make something happen. Doug, obviously, and we just a minute
0: or a couple minutes left. Obviously, the, um, the bill that the legislature passed, the governor said she's going to veto it. So this won't be an issue here. However, you know, we saw yesterday a, a judge in Texas put SB 4 on hold, which, you know, the Arizona bills are largely modeled after. Mm-hmm. Does that say anything to you about maybe what, like, obviously you were involved with Governor Brewer when SB 1070 mm-hmm. went into effect and it went after the Supreme Court. Does this court ruling say anything to you about what the legal climate might be for these kinds of bills?
2: Muddied. <laughs> and that's a technical term. Yeah, that's right. But but we're in this is a hypercharged political uh, situation, um, and, and it has gone on. I mean, the last major major uh, reform to the immigration system was Ronald Reagan uh, back in the late eighties. Yeah. Uh, before he left, that was it. Um, and and there have been there have been Democrats, there have been Republicans, there have been Republicans, there's been Democrat presidents all since the Reagan administration, and it just sits there. And so something, something needs to be done on the federal level. But my goodness, is it, does it make good election year uh, uh, wedging, you know, wedge, uh, uh, policy wedging with voters and such. And that's what we're, we're, we're experiencing right now. And like as I said earlier, you know, fasten your seatbelts, folks. This is just going to continue on and nothing's going to get done between now and November.
0: Yeah, that definitely seems to be the case. All right. We'll have to leave it there. Doug Cole of High Ground, Carl Gentles of the Gentles Agency. Guys, thanks so much for coming in. Thanks for the conversation. Thank Thank you. you. You've been listening to the Friday Newscap from KJZZ's The Show. It's an original podcast recapping the week's biggest stories with experts, commentators, and reporters. You can get the full show podcast at podcast.kjzz.org. I'm Mark Brody. Thanks for listening.